Welcome to the Life Success Legacy Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, listeners. Welcome back to another edition of the Life Success Legacy Podcast. Um, most of you who are loyal listeners will recognize that this is not the voice of Chris Bay. However, this is the voice of Michael Crawford. I tend to sit in the background and uh, push the knobs and make the sound come out. But um, today, I have the great honor of interviewing Chris Bay's lovely, beautiful wife, Sean Bay. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for the awesome introduction. You're welcome. I think it was under it was under what it should have been, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I'll slip you this five spot after yeah, we're exactly. done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And just a, just a clear note to our listeners, uh, Sean and I are not in front of one another. However, that does not mean that this will not be a fun and lively conversation. And so um, I think everybody's in for a, a wonderful treat. Uh, one of the things that... Um, had us or had me interested in in interviewing Sean was sort of the behind the coaches interview, so to speak. Um, we've all done our own interviews as coaches. Um, if you look back in our um, podcast history, you know Mike Everett, Chris Bay, myself, Chris Garrett, etc. We've all done our interviews and talked about our introduction and involvement in infinite banking and how it's played such a big part in our lives. However, what we haven't done is talk to the spouses of those coaches. And, you know, behind every good coach is a secondary coach. And I think that all of our spouses are um, inspirational to us as um, infinite banking coaches, but they're also our sounding board. When we have our own concerns or questions, we may turn to our our spouse or even another spouse within the group uh, to to kind of get a little bit more insight into what's working and what's not working. And I think that what's going to be exciting for the listeners is if you've heard Chris's story, uh, Sean's story is going to be different, even though they are together. And so, um, Sean, I wanted to start with the thing that Bay always Chris Bay always makes fun of is how long it took him to get IBC. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we all come about IBC in our own special ways. And, um, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about my husband is that he is thorough and, (laughs) I love that about him. It is also sometimes the thing that is a rub in our marriage. But when it came to learning about IBC, um, it was really a gift. His thoroughness was really a gift. And um, he's very generous when he talks about our story and says that we took um, nine months to a year to (laughs) study and learn this. It was not we, it was him. Um, (laughs) But if I'm being honest about it, and I gave him a hard time about then, and of course I still do from time to time now, but one of the things that um, helped me slide easily into wanting to do IBC was watching how thoroughly and in detail he studied the concept looking for the loophole of where it all fell apart and the thing that i 
probably respect the most out of that was that was at a point in our lives where we had no money, no margin within our money source to stub our toe and make a bad choice. Yeah, Chris has actually mentioned that several times is that the margin of error was zero. Yeah, it really was. I mean, at that point, um, I had stepped out of a family business and was fully staying home, um, was a stay-at-home mom full-time at that point. And Chris was um, still being a elementary school principal with the um, public school system in Lawrence where we live. And so we we're a single income and it was there was, there was no room for making a bad choice for us. We didn't have a pot or two sitting to the side that we could kind of tinker with. What we had was what we had and it was either going to be a, a good choice or else a really bad choice. And there was not a lot of in between. And so I think as a wife, his level of seriousness and his level of detail and thoroughness was a level of which I would never on my own and with my personality, I would never have gone that distance. But I already felt like um, instinctively because of a couple of things that had been that really stood out to me within the IBC concept, I felt like it was something that was worth a stone worth turning for us. Mm -hmm. But Chris gave me the confidence for us that he's looked at this so much and there are, there's very few things in life that are absolutely a hundred percent guarantee. So I knew that there's risk, there was going to be some level of risk, but um, Chris studied it so much that I, when at the point we took the step to go forward with this, I felt really confident. And a large part of that is the uh, studying that I give him such a hard time about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What, <clears throat> In that regard, as you studied it separately and differently from Chris, what was the most difficult transition in your thinking from your traditional financial you know, background and running a business and stuff like that when you first learned about IBC? What was the hardest part about stepping into it? Yeah, and, and not in terms of like room for error, but I mean like in terms of like your transition from traditional banking thought processes. Right. Um, well, I remember asking, I don't remember the exact year that we started our first policy. I don't remember when that was, but seven it years. wasn't seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it wasn't too long after, um, the economy had really gone bust. And my biggest fear in that moment um, and I remember talking to Mike Everett about this fairly extensively was um, what happens if the economy goes bust again and if the government, um, something shifts within the government and we no longer have um, any stability where the government is concerned and that and the government makes a change that would change up how IBC has has gone for what is it 130 years you know with basically no real changes what if that ever happens right. that was my biggest fear in that moment and i think that that probably highlights how little i understood personally how it genuinely worked right because i had a lot more questions further on further on into the process but 
at the point we were signing up, that was my biggest concern was what if the government makes a change? Right. And, you know, I think that that's an interesting point because hopefully an opportunity we'll have um, in the future is to actually interview my wife. And um, her fears were much, much different than mine. But I think that it just goes to show the different um, rates at which we have understood infinite banking. And that doesn't mean it's good, bad, or indifferent. It's just the way it is. Um, Nelson Nash constantly says that IBC is caught, not taught. And I think that that is something that when we're teaching others, and even as, you know, spouses, we don't always have the exact same level of understanding on every single topic. Right. Oh, and I, I've never heard that. Um, the IBC is caught, not taught. I think that is, that's spot on. And I think part of that, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a full understanding of IBC when we um, took out our first policies, but there is nothing that will get at least my attention. And I think it's probably human nature. I think nothing gets human nature's attention more than when you have your own arse hanging out in the wind (laughs) suddenly you listen to the weather report a little bit differently yep um because you have so much at stake and the moment that we actually did our policy that for me was what got my attention the most as far as really sinking in and learning it because now we have so much vested you know in the process that that kind of leads me to another interesting point is that you have already mentioned this um, a few minutes ago, but you were part of a family business and a business owner um, in which Chris himself has stated many times he knows not very little about in the big scheme of things is how to run a business. How has that impacted your use and or understanding about infinite banking? My experience with um, the family business that I was part of earlier, is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I will tell you the thing that caught my attention and my interest about IBC in the very first, um, I don't know if Mike called it a boot camp in the day, I don't remember, but we went to um, a meeting where he was sharing um, what... IBC was and Mm -hmm. the thing that the nugget that I came away with that I could not shake it just it stuck with me from the very beginning uh, was how you could save interest and and the business that I was part of um, before I became a stay-at-home mom was a family farm and so much interest was paid out every single year because of equipment that we owned and operating loans. And um, I just left that meeting that night thinking if we had been able to save the interest that we paid out every single year, it would have made an incredibly big difference and had a huge impact on our family farm. And um, I never that that was the that was the thing that I thought if there is something out there that can save that and what is it six hundred thousand dollars that we spend in interest uh, in a lifetime that's yeah. the average <clears throat> the average American um, uh, loses six hundred thousand dollars just in interest in a lifetime 
Yeah. Well, that's significant. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, you know, to be able to take that interest and put it into our own banking system. Yeah. Yeah. That was just a turning point for me. So I, for, for me, that had the biggest, made the biggest impression coming from the position that I'd been sitting in with our family farm. Right. Um, it stood out and I, that was really the thing that, um, had me go back and hear about it several more times right? and, and really want to move forward with IBC. Exactly. And, and I think that, you know, you answered a question that I was going to kind of lead into, but had you known about this, this would have completely changed the approach that the farm could have taken when come, when it came to financing and, you know, how to handle those operating loans and things like that. Oh, and I think it would have been, I think it had the potential, you know, to be a very empowering tool in our toolbox as business owners mm-hmm. um, to be able to, um, you know, I think about every year going back to the bank and having our meetings in order to discuss what our operating loan was or was not going to be for the year and I think we would have been able to have taken back a lot of our power and would have been um, the possibility of being a stronger, healthier business had we had that opportunity, had we known about that in that day and acted on it. I I just believe that it it could have been really beneficial. Right. Now, am I – a few podcasts ago – Chris and I interviewed Mary Jo Ehrman, who wrote uh, Farming Without the Bank. Um, do, did you read that book? Have you read that book? I haven't read the book. I did listen to the podcast. I have the book sitting on my nightstand. Exactly. <laughs> because I'd like to go through it and read it. I think it'd be very interesting, but I just haven't picked it up to do that yet. Yeah. For, for the listeners who haven't maybe heard that podcast, it's a very good podcast because Mary Jo has found her niche with farmers and ranchers. That's who she loves. She lives in North Dakota. She's um, tried and true with the the farming and ranching community, and she wrote a book called Farming Without the Bank. Um, I encourage you to check out that podcast. It relates a little bit to what Sean was just speaking about concerning the family farm, operating loans, and how to handle all that stuff. And it applies to other businesses as well. Um, She just wrote it in terms of farming and ranching. Um, Okay, so, so... can I just interject? Yes, of course. Um, one thing about Mary, I think one of the things that makes her podcast so good, in case there's anybody um, listening that has an ag background, what I so appreciate about Mary is she comes from growing up and participating in a large way with her own family ranch. And so she's somebody who is a straight shooter. I mean, she's just. Yeah, <laughs> she, she tells it like it is. Yeah, she really does. There's and I no think question. That that, that is, um, that's, that's farm language. That's ranch language. You know, she, she speaks it because she's authentically that. And that's why I think she's so resonates with, um, the farming and ranching, um, businesses in particular, because she comes from that fabric herself. So, um, it's a really good podcast in my, in my personal opinion. No, it, it was the second infinite banking book or topic book I had ever read um, was Mary Jo's Farming Without the Bank because I too grew up on a farm 
in a much different capacity, um, purely and simply because I left to go to college before learning how to run the business. But understanding as a child that things were always sort of based on those operating loans and things. When I read that book, I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> the things that this could have done. Um, yes. Okay, so um, I've worked with Chris now for almost four years, and um, he had been a coach a few years prior to that. But when you guys first got your policy, he was still a principal, correct? Yeah, initially, yes, he was. Yeah, and... He, I think if I understand the storyline correctly, he was a principal for another like two and a half years or so after your first policy, maybe three years. And you were the one he he has given credit to to consider becoming an infinite banking coach. Um, what what was your thought process knowing that that income would now be 100 percent commission? And you had just mentioned a few minutes ago that you were a stay at home mom and on a single income from just Chris's um, career. Yeah, that's a that's such a interesting question to me because how I felt about it it, it came to me one night when well, there were two instances where I thought it before I said it anything to Chris, and one was one of those nights where we're laying in bed and he is you know reading yet another book on infinite banking and um, underlining and making notes as he always does mm -hmm. and it I was just sitting back in a rare moment kind of observing him and thinking he has really he has studied this so hard for us first but when he gets into that mindset where he is just zeroing in on something normally when he t he'll talk about it in conversations and when he talks about things in conversations that he's read about in that depth. Um, he's really teaching already. And I was sitting back watching him and I was thinking, this is something he's really becoming passionate about. And I bet he would be a great, I bet he'd be really good at teaching because, you know, he's in the teaching world for 22 years overall. And he has a gift for teaching. Again, my humble opinion, it's something that just is very natural for him. That's his natural environment is right. teaching. I think he's really good at it. And he's very aware of different people's learning styles and he can come at it from different directions. And I appreciate that a lot about him. So I'd made a comment to him that night about, you know, I think this might be something you'd be really good at. The other moment was we were sitting in a meeting with Mike and he was teaching us and he and Chris were having a conversation and the way Chris was parroting back to him what he thought he was hearing, what Chris thought Mike was saying, but he was saying it in his own words. I was learning it in a different way. I was hearing Mike say it one way and then I was hearing Chris say it another and I was like, wow, he's teaching the same thing using a different form of words and he's really effective with that. I, I, I'm hearing it in a different way and I'm learning it even better. And um, that was another moment where I thought he would be fantastic teaching this. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, again, to be to be quite honest, the main reason that my wife and I are even a part of this is because of the way Chris teaches. Um, it, my wife was very much 
understanding his language. And, and I think that that's what's really cool about Mike and Chris as a team is that they teach differently, but the same. Uh, they have the same language in terms of what they're saying, but it's how they're saying it that, that can be so different yet effective. And I, uh, I don't think there's another IBC team quite as dynamic <laughs> as Chris and Mike are. And I think it's really what has made um, the way we do things quite unique. Well, and I would go, I'd expand that even more to, I think Mike and Chris are great. I also think that the whole team, it makes, um, makes the options of coaches very well-rounded because there's really four of you that are very active in the immediate team. And I've heard every single one of you have your moments at boot camps and everybody has a different style and says things, relays the same information in a little bit different fashion. And that's one of the things that I love about the boot camps. It's one of the things I love about the team. It's so well-rounded that anybody could come on board and, and maybe start an initial conversation with somebody within the team. And if for whatever reason it's not hitting there are other options of team members to choose from and the team is open to clients skipping around until they find the person that is there you know where they hear the information the best i mean i just think there's so many things about the team that make it healthy that um the team is as big of a gold mine as ibc itself yeah, I I love that. I just love it about the the group and and anybody that comes to one of the boot camps. It's I think that that's one of the things that stands out the at the very beginning is there's just it's such a good group of really great individuals that each one individually is delightful to spend time with, but as a team they're just they knock it out of the park. <laughs> exactly. And I and that's that's one of the reasons that I wanted to join the team as well was not just to teach other people, but to be around these guys more often um, and gals. Um, but uh, it was yes, it's a very um, it's a very cool team. And, and, and a couple of weeks ago, we all got to go to the National Think Tank and um, the the sentiment uh, that you just expressed was overwhelming at the think tank people were just like man your team is so unique yet yeah so interesting you know they i don't yeah. think people really understand how to process who we are as a team and who life success legacy is okay so yeah. uh, well <clears throat> and I, just to i think what um i think the team is healthy yeah exactly i think it is so unusual to have that within a business setting and by healthy i mean it's just a team full of people with great integrity and at the same time everybody takes their business so seriously it's so playful as well i mean exactly. it just it's very well rounded and um the boot camps are a delight because of that it's it's really oh, yeah, it's I such get, a, a unique situation. I get really jazzed up every time we have a boot camp here in town um, or one yeah, that I get too. to travel to be a part of um, yeah. because they're just that much fun. Okay, so yeah. I want to start wrapping up here a little bit. And I think my last big question um, is 
is a personal one about your family. Um, because we hear Chris talk about this a lot in the future, thinking long term, you know, et cetera, how you guys want to use IBC sort of from a 30,000 foot view. But when you, Sean, think long term for your family, how does it relate to IBC? Mm. What comes to mind? Well, the first thing, this is interesting that the, I hadn't thought about this question. So the first thing that comes to mind, um, and probably because of my family of origin experience, uh, it's not the most immediate, although <laughs> we we are actively involved with our IBC policies on a weekly, almost a daily um Point, but um, it's really the idea that at some point, as Chris and I pass away, in order to pass along what we have, whatever it may be, that we can do that with it being a tax-free event to our girls, that means a lot to me. And I guess I'm saying that because I've watched um, – several of my grandparents go through that process which meant when they passed away i watched my parents go through that process and it at various different times it caused a lot of stress because they were taxable events and it was stressful and to be able to to pass that along without it being that level of stress at a point you've lost a parent or parents. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that's the thing that jumped out at me tonight, but that's something that's really important to me. Um, some people get in, people get into IBC for a, a whole bunch of different reasons. And there's so many good ones. Um, Chris and I are somebody that want to be able to pass something along to our kids, but we're not trying to build an empire. We're not, mm -hmm. it's not, it, it's not a priority for us to be able to pass along to them millions and millions of dollars right or or a large large lump sum of money if if you know we we want to pass something along but we don't that's that's not what drives us right um but i do love the idea that we talk within our family now with our girls in various degrees we have one in college and one in high school but in varying degrees of they have varying degrees of involvement with ibc and they're still very much with their training wheels on as we talk to them. But they have an opportunity and we've given, we have things set up. We have policies on both of the girls to provide them an opportunity, which I think is what our responsibility as their parents is to provide an opportunity for them to have a tool that if they choose they can learn about it and it can be beneficial to them moving forward. And that's one of the things that I love so much as well. Yeah. It, it, it we provide the opportunity. They have to provide the want to, mm -hmm. so we'll see. But at this point, our daughter in college, she is very involved with her IBC policy because that's part of what's helping her come up with the money that she is responsible for, for paying for college. Right. And it's it's done very much in hand in hand with us, but it's, she's still getting to learn. And I love that we're also providing them that chance that if they want to learn about it and 
learn how to use it well, to be able to start with that as 20-somethings, as teenagers. I just can't even imagine if they take that opportunity and run with it, what they would be able to do moving forward for themselves. And especially, I will say, as women. I love that. I love that we can hear Milo as a guest speaker in the background too. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah. It's just adding a little bit of sweetness to an IBC podcast. That's great. Oh boy. The, the joys of parenting sometimes. Um, <laughs> well, that was a really, really good synopsis of how you feel IBC can be um, part of your family's future. And, and I think you pointed out something really good here as we kind of close this out. You, you, you mentioned that people come to IBC for a variety, variety of reasons, um, and all of them are good, as you said. The thing that's really awesome about infinite banking, and I know you would agree with this, is those things can change. It it started off for a lot of us as a way to get out of debt, um, yeah. but it, then it transitions to a multitude of things, and sometimes that transition comes in a matter of years. Sometimes it comes instantly because we see the power of infinite banking and yeah nelson always says it. he said it this year at the think tank is that the infinite banking concept is only limited by your thinking yeah and by your imagination exactly and yeah. that's what makes this tool such a unique product or, or, yeah. or concept, I mean, is that we have the uninterrupted ability to think as long-term as humanly possible and to come up with our own ideas of how to make this work. That's one of the things that I know you enjoy about our boot camps, actually, is the, 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 the conversation that occurs amongst the people in the group rather than just the coaches is you're learning from other people who have implemented IBC in such a unique way that all of us are going, oh my gosh, this is phenomenal. This is something I hadn't thought of myself. And it just continually adds to this bank that we have in our brain of all these tools that the way we can use infinite banking. It's really great. Yeah, it's expanded my way of thinking for sure. I, I realized my box was so small to begin with, with how how we would personally use and can use moving forward our IBC policies. But when we go, when we're sitting at a boot camp around a table, especially for boot camp too, because that's really when people's, you know, outside the box thinking and questions come up and you get to hear how people are utilizing their own policies. And it just, it, it has never failed me to continue expand all the different ways in which you can keep money running through your policies um, and get that flow going that keeps expanding our use of it. And exactly. I know our, our the ideas that Chris and I have and how to use it moving forward, they're always changing oh, because yeah, life is always changing. But what I love is that IBC can accommodate all the changes. All those changes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. There's different chapters of life have different priorities and different things. And 
um, I love that it flows with us. Exactly. Good stuff. You know, stuff. we're not limited because of it. Really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sean Bay, thank you so much for <laughs> taking some time to um, be on this podcast with us. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I even loved being on the podcast with Milo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he would have some great addition if we just got him on the mic for a minute. I oh, bet he, he would be loves fantastic. microphones. I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, well, uh, to our listeners, thank you again for listening to our podcast. We greatly appreciate that. And um, if you haven't listened to some of the older ones, please go to um, the place that you love to listen to podcasts and find it. It's on our website, lifesuccesslegacy.com, and many other locations as well. Something Chris Bay always says, and I'm going to repeat it as well, if you have not read Nelson Nash's Becoming Your Own Banker, uh, we strongly suggest that you get a copy of that book from our website um i promise you that the 25 dollars book does not feed our families but it does give you the foundation of understanding for this concept that will launch you into more questions than you could ever imagine um so on behalf of the life success legacy team and uh sean bay i appreciate you guys listening thank you so much thanks mike 